Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to After Further Review. Mark Ferrer and John Pelkey, Jeff Taylor on the board. Certainly hope your isolation is going well. Good show on the pod today. We think we're going to get some uh, final draft thoughts, talk a little about free agency and what's going on with free agency. Uh, We also want to talk about... uh, to be a great fan or a uh, a really committed fan, you need to hate another team, another player. Is hatred important to your love as a fan? And then we'll talk about our poll question, most overrated player in any sport. I actually, uh, Mark, uh, in, in my last Facebook Live, I said, yeah, if you want to throw a coach out there, well, we'd be willing to take that. And, uh, of course, we have our progressive trivia. See uh, if uh, Mark Ferreira can stump us. Once again, he's done a good job of that. And, uh, and yeah, we'll hear some of your responses to our poll question. But first of all, as always, gentlemen, welcome. How's your isolation going? Anything new you want to talk to people about? Any more concerns? Something you've done we should all do? I actually got outside and had a picnic yesterday for a friend's birthday. We all separated 10, 12 feet apart, but it was my friend Zan's birthday, so we had a little picnic, got to sit outside, which was really a nice change. So where did you go? Let me let me let me go ahead and drill down on this one first of all. Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> I have I have a few questions about this. There's a there's a large green space near the lake. As you know, Mark, I live a couple blocks from a lake, and there's a large green space in front of the uh, municipal building over there here in uh, beautiful Ocoee, Florida. And uh, it's uh, completely open. The grass is like a fairway at Augusta, and there's some trees for shading. So we just all unpacked there. Uh, you know, five, six, seven groups of uh, a couple, three people who are isolating together, friends of Zan, and uh, we all had a picnic together. So it was That's uh, very nice. Now, yeah, now you're really, all about nice. six feet apart or more, obviously. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So, so was it was it difficult outside? To, did you have to kind of yell a couple times to kind of have people hear what you're talking about, that kind of thing? So you're asking me if my voice... Again, again, heard. John, there could be lots of people talking at the same time, and there could be others. I mean, maybe not just you talking, perhaps, to others, but others talking to you. Did you have to ever scream at them to speak up? <laughs> wow. This is, this is such day. an interesting speak line up. of questioning. I'm, I'm trying to figure out what you're picture, picturing. No, we spread out blankets. We're 10 to 12 feet apart, all of us, and we had normal conversations. It really wasn't, wasn't that terribly difficult. Well, that's really, really sounds lovely, and congratulations to. They got all. outside for a couple of hours, not doing yard work. So yeah, that and, that was you, a plus. You've been doing a lot of yard work. It's uh, c- continual, seemingly yard work based yeah, on your. You would think my yard. Course. You would think my yard would look better. Well, but, you know, you know how that is. You can work and work and work and work, and you see the difference, but no one else can see because you've, you know, all you've done is taken out the second, third, fourth, and fifth layers, and really, when you take out the seventh layer, is when. It becomes beautiful again. So I get all you, that. Mr. True Green. Actually, I can't see the difference yet, so I, I'm hoping to get there at some point this week. So I went up to the lake this weekend. Uh-oh. Mark traveling willy-nilly like the rest I, of the Ferreras. Just I, spread I traveled. Spread I traveled an hour and 15 minutes. Yes. You know, I'm not sure what the difference is between traveling an hour and 15 minutes in a car and, you know, walking two blocks to a lake. I'm not you're you're still traveling. Technically, there are a number so. of differences, Mark. First of all, I never got in a car. Obviously, the time I spent was a lot less. So I'm not not really sure if you. I, you've lost, I understand, but it's still lost travel. your ability to break something down and see the differences. It, I'm it's still it's still is your mind travel. challenged enough during this, Mark? Do we need should we do this more often to keep you engaged? Because I got to be honest, and uh, Jeff's yeah. nodding. Yeah, I'm thinking you might be you might be losing it a little. Well, you know, I mean, that's what people think about a lot of people these days. That's for sure. And, <laughs> and, and, uh, and a lot of people are losing it. Yes, say, and I've certainly a little, thought that about great. myself, you know, well before this pandemic, John Pelkey. Now, come on now. I mean, seriously. I mean, I'm, a, I'm an old guy at this point in time. I, you know, I just got out of the service uh, in 55. So I have questioned my cognitive decline for a long time now, my friend. And you have one of those milestone birthdays coming up, too. So we won't talk too much about that until your birthday. And to that point, happy birthday to our good friend Riley Claremont. Yes. Good old turns, Riley Claremont. Who turns the big double nickels today. Yep, and he's been shut inside for about forty days with a four-year-old, and uh, I, I actually zoomed with him. He gave into Zoom yesterday, which means his 
bank accounts cleaned out now and his credit's destroyed by today. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he, uh, you know, he's been shut inside with his four-year-old, and, he, and he's actually holding up pretty well. So Good. obviously, I'm assuming he is and his wife, obviously too. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Not just his four-year-old. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, she's there as well. I just think, you know, being as a 55 year old being cooped up with a with a four year old just seems like that might be slightly challenging. Well, it sounds like he's uh, adjusting pretty well. And that's nice. It or sounds he's like anesthetizing very well. One of those two things is happening. Very good. So, Jeff. Uh, How are you doing? I know you're getting a lot done as well, right? I, I No, I'm not anymore because I started watching the uh, Washington Nationals playoff run last night, which has been great. So, that's so much fun. You know, they they won the wild card game, and the wild card game was what? Against the Brewers, right? That's right. And the Brewers had a big lead, and it was a— uh, It was 3-1. to one. It was an eighth-inning error That's that, right. produced, that produced the, uh, the victory for you all. And then you had to go to Los Angeles, essentially— to win a five-game series, don't correct? Spoil, don't spoil it yet, because I'm only on game one of the <laughs> Los Angeles series. Okay, well, you're, you're set up to go to L.A. to win a five-game series, correct? That's right. And really, looking at it right now, on paper, Jeff, assuming that you're just really trying to look at it in real time, there's you don't have a chance. The Nationals don't have a chance. No way. The they're, they're facing Walker Bueller in game one. They're down, as of right now, 3 nothing. The uh, the likelihood of them being able to come back in this game, they're already de- going to be down 1-0. And uh, they've got to face Bueller, then Hill, then Kershaw. Forget about it. It's not going to happen. Yeah, well, Kershaw, you always have a chance, unfortunately. it's it's uh, I hate to say it. I mean, Bit of a <laughs> believe it or not, John Pelkey, I have, I have developed a soft spot for Clayton Kershaw in the postseason. I, I really think, have. And I think this plays into, and I want to talk more a little bit more about this later, Mark, because I think this plays into, uh, you, you've softened on your Dodger hatred actually quite a bit. Uh, I've I think, softened probably. on my hatred overall in sports, and perhaps that either hurt my general sports viewing ability, hurt my general uh, passion for my team, or perhaps made me just more appreciative of the game itself as opposed wow. to just a particular team. I don't know. I would... Um, it's weird because when I do watch, I mean, when I watched the Super Bowl, I really wasn't as hugely disappointed as I probably could have been in years past with a 10-point lead being blown in the last half of a quarter uh, in the in the biggest game of the year. Now, can so I, I don't can know. I, maybe maybe I've just I've maybe I've lost it cognitively and uh, emotionally and passionately well, and, and, and maybe soul wise. Maybe it's just ebbing. The whole thing is just ebbing away. <laughs> I think lost it's going too far. Trending in that direction, I would agree with. But it, it, my question about the about the Niners and the Super Bowl thing is, and I know what you mean, that the hatred and what's really uh, affected me. And again, we should be talking about this in the hatred segment. But we've, we've had an opportunity to interview a lot of athletes from different teams. And you, you soften on people when you when you actually spend time. It's easy to hate them in the macro. I would probably enjoy John Elway uh, in person, but a, I, I still remain somebody really not a John Elway fan, not having met him. That changes things. But the other thing I want to ask you with the Niners before we move on into a progressive trivia, which you have sold to me as a difficult one. So I'm looking forward to that. But um, we talked about that San Francisco was a little bit ahead of the curve. You were you were in the Super Bowl, I think, earlier than you expected. I would, say, maybe well, next I would say well ahead of the curve. Yeah, I'd say you were two looking years at, ahead. Right. Maybe this this coming season, maybe a playoff run, win a game. Uh, but, yeah, don't you think that had as much to do with it as anything else? And I know it's I, I hate the phrase we talked earlier about phrase. We hate I hate the phrase just happy to be there. But uh, was there a little bit of that that went into it as well? No, I, I don't I don't think so. But perhaps maybe back in back in the brain, there was that idea that, my goodness, I can't believe we are NFC champions somehow in a year following a five and 11. I'm sorry, a four and 12 season. And right. now we're in the Super Bowl. How great is that? Uh, and, and I also appreciated Patrick Mahomes. You know, we, we, we had a draft party on Thursday and Matthew Hamill, a friend of ours, you know, because I was talking about Tua being a once in a generation talent. And he's going, well, hang on. What about Patrick Mahomes? You've called him a once in a generation talent for you have. So Mark, generationally for you, eighteen months. There's an eighteen month difference in age. That's it's pretty a much a figure, generation. It's a figure of speech. Understood. And I would say two or three people per generation probably fit into that. And you know, in the eighties it was Elway, Marino and in Montana for instance. Uh, but yeah, so I think uh, it was a combination of those two things that I just couldn't get that upset. 
you know, even with Green Bay, I couldn't get that upset. The, and, and even with Seattle, who has really been the team, and we'll get into this later, that I've hated. How do you hate Russell Wilson? Yeah, it's How different. do you hate a guy that is never out of a game regardless and is truly one of the best football players I've ever seen? Well, and isn't 24-hour, seven-day-a-week, 365-day-a-year sports stuff? I think it hurts our hatred because they have to do features on people. You find out a lot more about them, and you find out, you know, eh, he's, he's a pretty good guy, you know? And back in the day, for me, it was the, the, the struggle because I hated the Cowboys growing up a Redskin fan was uh, Roger Staubach. Who, how can you hate Roger Staubach? You hate Tom Landry, and you still hate Tom Landry. I do. That one's easier. Uh, but it, it's hard to hate Staubach. It just it was really difficult to I hate think him. It would probably be hard to hate Tom Landry, too, if you had a chance to interview him. Although it's really kind of fun to stay in that hatred yeah. bubble, isn't it? Yes. Oh, it's it's a great deal of fun. All right, we're over time on the first segment, Mark, and I want to I want to stay on time because the, Good the, man. the long series of notes I get from you following the show about my uh, my inability to uh, to to stay on time. I want to turn over right. to you now before we move on to talk about a few more thoughts on the draft, free agency, football moving forward, progressive trivia, and we're going to step away from football for a minute from what I've been told. We are. We are going to baseball. How about that? We're going to try baseball. And to me, this is a hard one. We'll see if you and uh, Jeff feel that way. You may get this one earlier than I anticipated. But this is a Hall of Fame baseball player we're looking for right now. Okay, played for 22 years, five different teams, finished with less than 400 home runs, and is a six-time All-Star. 22 years, six-time All-Star, less than 400 home runs, but a Hall of Famer. That's it. Pete Rose. It's not Pete Rose. Oh. Pete Rose was, I think, more, you know, probably three times as many All-Star games, I would guess. And, and one Jeff, times less as, Hall of Famer. As, as always, please text that to Mark. Oh, I'm sorry. Lenny, Lenny's playing along, and apparently he, he, he texts Mark in real time and uh, with the answers, which I think, is, I think is great. So Mark yeah. just randomly will get a, a text every now and then from Lenny. And Mark, well, how long does it take you to figure out what he's talking about? It's yeah, it's real time post, you know, once we've posted the right, show. You right. Know, so it could be any later. time between now and the next show. No, it is. I mean, he said something about you got me with Lynch today. And I thought, what does that even mean, Lenny? You got <laughs> me with nice. Lynch today? Oh, Very the progressive. Nice. Oh, that's right. Marshawn Lynch. Oh, wow. okay. Yeah, I you, get it. you live in the South, so you you might have started thinking <laughs> otherwise at that point. Uh, <laughs> all right. So that's it. Twenty two years, five teams, six time all star, less than four hundred home runs. And nice job. You can see from one to 399 home runs. Tis. I, I feel like I, I feel like that's it's in the high 300s. I mean, you've got to, okay, you okay. know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to ask for the extra clue, it. but that helps. I was thinking, you know, maybe, maybe you're talking about a pitcher and the guy's like two home runs and you're just, <laughs> yeah. you're just I? being fun. Well, that's fine. That's what I would have done. You know, I that's, know, what that's what, what you would have done. All right. So that's, that's our progressive trivia again. Uh, we'll have more clues coming up later. We'll let you know it is at the end of the pod. But right now, we want to talk a little bit more about the only live sporting event that will probably happen in well, certainly Mark's lifetime, uh, maybe the rest of us, the NFL draft. And more importantly, Mark, first of all, yeah, the Jameis Winston situation, I think, is one of the more interesting stories to come out of this. Now, from I everything that I've seen, he has not fully agreed to terms with the New Orleans Saints, right. but it seems as though that's going to happen. And the other interesting thing about that is their backup quarterback, Taysom Hill, they just signed him to an extension. A you large like, extension. Yes. An inexplicably like, large extension for a guy that's, I think, thrown six passes. Wow. Inexplicably large. Sin- uh, no, anyway. Uh, no, no, it really is an inexplicably large package. <laughs> it really is. I'm, I'm Inexplicably large extension just... It, I, I just fun, don't. I, I mean, I he, I think he's literally thrown six passes, John Pelkey. Perhaps, but he's he's kind of a I, he's a gadget. Learned this phrase, just like the quarter pole. He's a bit of a Swiss Army knife for them because he can he do is. any number of things. He's got he's got some skills. So I was a little surprised at the size of that deal as well. But you are the leading Jameis Winston defender on this show. I am so. You like this for Jameis Winston. I am not. A, I, I really am kind of neutral on Jameis Winston. And right. I think his what you see from his career is kind of what he is, which is there's a risk reward with him. He can do some very good things. He can do some terrible things. Maybe that has as much to do with coaching as anything else. And maybe we will see that now that he's going to get to New Orleans and get better consistent coaching. Um, but you like him going to New, uh, New Orleans. Talk about why. 
I will tell you why I like him going to New Orleans. Obviously, he's going to get a chance to work with a Hall of Fame quarterback and probably a Hall of Fame head coach. And he's going to, you know, sit behind a guy that doesn't throw that many picks but throws that many touchdowns and has that kind of, uh, you know, that kind of precision that Jameis needs to learn from. I mean, I think it's the perfect situation for him. And I think it's a good situation for the Saints as well. If for nothing more, the fact that he's a Tampa Bay Buccaneer and that he can give them all kinds of insight into Bruce Arians' um, point of view and the way he calls plays and the way he directs his offense, that's going to go a long, long way. And I think the Saints are obviously looking at Tampa Bay right now saying, we need to figure them out a little bit more and have a little ace in the hole with Jameis Winston. As, as silly as that sounds, I think there's a realistic uh, edge there that they can gain uh, against Tampa Bay uh, using Jameis's knowledge, intimate knowledge of their offense. Because well, let me we, push back. We a all little. figure the, ga- the the offensive scheme isn't going to change at all. Well, let me push back a little with that, because bringing Tom Brady in uh, as opposed to Jameis Winston, who Bruce Arians had, I, I think the offense will change. How so? Um, and it may change. Well, I, I think Bruce Arians is smart enough to take the skills that Tom Brady has and tailor the offense a little bit in his direction. I don't I'm not going to say I think it's going to be this drastic change, but I think I think Winston will help to a certain extent. But I think that might be overstated. I, I think Arians is obviously one of the, the, the best offensive minds. He's great with quarterbacks, uh, I think. And, and he knows what he has in Tom Brady, both all of the good and maybe some of the things that Brady has declined with um, over the years. So uh, things about Brady that have declined. So I think it, it may help a little, but I'm, 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 I'm not a hundred percent with you on. It's going to be a big, big help for them. No, I think it'll provide them an edge. I think it will provide them an edge, you know, sort of by definition, uh, you know, and they're both essentially drop back quarterbacks. Jameis can extend the play a little bit more than Tom Brady, although Tom Brady is underrated. If you ask me in terms of how well he can either extend the play or get rid of the ball. Right. Ball comes out quick generally. So in, in a way, I think uh, I, I think there is some sort of an edge, and I think you've got a backup quarterback who's probably by I would say by far the most talented backup quarterback in the National Football League. So I think it's a win for the Saints, and I obviously think it's a win for Jameis. I I'm I'm stoked about it. Yeah, I think it, I'm I think stoked, it's stoked, dude. I think it's an interesting and decent move by the Saints. I do believe, in my mind, the 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 biggest winner is Jameis. Because he's going to end up in a better situation. I think. I think a lot of Jameis's problems was uh, problems have been that he wasn't terribly mature when he got to Tampa Bay. And 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 again, all of the accusations against him, notwithstanding, uh, I don't. We're never going to find out all of what happened in those situations. But I just mean uh, uh, that he was a little immature uh, as for a professional athlete. And I think a lot of guys at 21, 22, 23 years old are that way. So I'm not, I'm not really killing him about that, but I think at the quarterback position, you have to mature much more quickly than anywhere else. And then the inconsistency at the coaching with all of the coaching changes, I think really set him back. And we talked to Derek Abbott in our, um, uh, former college quarterback and coach at the Coast Guard Academy for our draft show about how important it is to find yourself in the right system in the right situation. And I simply don't think Tampa Bay was necessarily the right place for Jameis Winston. Right. And I think it's a lot better place. And I agree with you. You know, it's it's certainly a win for Jameis Winston. I don't think we disagree on any level about that one. OK, I want to I want to move ahead with this one, because uh, the, the other thing is and looking at all the draft grades, which has been pretty funny. Um, One of the consistent things is really kind of going after Green Bay um, Mm -hmm. for for drafting love. This is interesting to me because a lot of the people who are complaining about that are also the people who tell you you can't rush a quarterback in. In the beginning, you can't rush them in. You you, you got to give these guys for the, the vast majority of guys coming out of the NFL. And I'm to first round quarterbacks benefit by sitting and and watching for a while and limiting how much they play. And yet, what we're hearing here is, well, you know, now they've they've got this project quarterback. I would argue every quarterback is a project to some extent. Um, I I don't kill them on that as much as I I do think I would grade them down. Because it seems to send the message that 
they're not I, either they're comfortable with where they are offensively, which would would surprise me if they would feel comfortable there and that they really didn't try to upgrade themselves as much as they could to take a run with Aaron Rodgers over what are probably going to be his last, say, three years of being highly uh, a, a highly competent quarterback. What are your feelings there? Well, you know, it obviously is going to be a, you know, wait and see kind of deal on the quarterback. We but are they know close enough? Do you think they're close time. enough? Do you think they were close enough that it would have made more sense to find a playmaker? Well, I mean, I think they certainly still got some wide receivers and some weapons that they needed for Aaron Rodgers and for that offense. And I it was a deep wide receiver draft. Um and I think People miss they took a flyer on this guy because they think he could he could be the guy. And I and yes, you can you can nitpick as to whether they should have picked a wide receiver, an offensive tackle in that slot. But at the same time, we won't really know yeah. until until all that plays out. And for them to go after Green Bay, it's fine. It's sort of time to do that. It's in in any story, in any success story, there's an arc. And they start out rags to riches, and then everyone tries to break them down. And they've been trying to do that with Aaron Rodgers now for three, four years, as well as the Green Bay organization. Because they came out of the blue following Brett Favre and Hat were six and I think we're six and five or seven and six, and they went on a run and won the Super Bowl, and n- no one could say anything bad about them. And now I think people sort of want to jump on the bandwagon and pile on. And I, I don't know. We'll see. We have to take a look at those receivers. We have to take a look at what happens next year. They were 13-3 and three last year with a right. first-year head coach, clearly overachieved, and they're young. So I, I, you know, I, I'm not sure why people would um, – would do that outside of the standard narrative and 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 media uh, manipulation of that that normally happens with all of these things. We see it all the time, not just in sports, but we see it everywhere in the public domain. And and you know, it's it's the Green Bay Packers' turn to kind of get piled on. It just happens. And, and to your point, and, and I think this is important, is the draft grade thing. I think you can grade running backs you know, within the first couple of years, because people will say that, you know, that's the the one position that can be most that you can integrate most quickly because the physical skills are either there or they're not there. And then really what it comes down to for a lot of these guys is just learning more about the offense when they don't have the ball in their hands, picking up blitzes and uh, running backs who have to learn to run better patterns and stuff like that. But quarterback to the point, that's that's a grade that really you don't see for four to five years in my mind. No, you don't. And and I mean, they got one receiver, quote unquote, you know, a tight end, and they really bulked up on offensive line in the later rounds. And I just think they, in their mind, love could be one of those diamond in the rough guys. And they've certainly, they certainly know what it's like to have a guy sit behind three years and yep. what that does to someone. Yeah, I and don't hate it. Really, what you re, that's really should be the template for every single quarterback. Yeah, some some quarterbacks defy that and defy that sort of curve and are able to be successful right out of the gate. But that is. That is the exception that proves the rule, if you ask me. And so why not? You know, yeah. why not? And people swing and miss on wide receivers that they pick too high as often as any position. That's that's one that really, uh, I think, if you look at first-round wide receivers, you, you see guys who uh, seem to, and, and I would have to go through, and yeah, nothing but time, so I should probably do this. It, it, it seems a lot of guys drafted high as wide receivers don't ever live up to their potential, yeah. and you have a lot of guys that you can plug in. You get later in the draft. All right, let's uh, let's move on from this. There's more I want to talk about, and so we'll probably continue to talk about the draft. Uh, I wanted to get into the fact that the the Patriots didn't take a quarterback, and everybody was like, "All of, why would they should have gone for Jordan Love, and this should have happened, that should right. happen." And I will always argue if you don't love the guy, don't take him. Particularly love in that love. position. Right? Anybody? If you don't at that position, if you don't really believe. That the guy's going to help you, and I don't care if quarterbacks in need. I think it's a mistake to go and get somebody that you don't 100% believe in. All right, let's get back to our progressive trivia. All right, uh, from Here what from what I have, the first clues 
Yeah. Mark, give us the first clues and then the next set of clues. Hall of Fame baseball player, played for 22 years with five different teams. He's a Hall of Famer, remember this. Finished with less than 400 home runs, a six-time All-Star in 22 years, two top 10 MVP finishes, low top 10. That's it. 22 years. Hall of Famer. Hmm. Led the league in slugging percentage one time, the only time he ever led the league in any category. Hall of Famer. You can kind of guess the feelings I have about this guy. Perhaps he's a, a player I would put down in our category, our poll question, a little bit later in the show. Okay, so two top ten MVP finishes. Led the league in slugging percentage one time, the only time he ever led the league in any category. Did He did, however, average 93 RBIs per season over 22 years, which is, which is very, very good. And he finished within 200 hits of 3,000, which is also very, very good. Those are two very good stats obviously brought him a lot of consideration for the Hall of Fame and eventually got in. So there you go. Eight clues so far, Johnny. Wow. And I'm, you know, names are popping into my head, but I I can't. Seven of the clues will sound good, and then one will throw me off. Joe? Still still confused. Uh, I was thinking one guy, but I don't think he played that long. Okay. Well, you can certainly text me, and I can let you know. No, I don't want. I don't want to text wrong answers. <laughs> no, really. No, no. You don't want. You don't want wrongness to be on a record. I don't. For Jeff Taylor. No, I like to be. I, li- I like to bet a thousand. Yeah, sure. sure. Like to have a Hall of Fame progressive trivia numbers. What would you say you're batting, Jeff, in terms of overall life, in terms of being right versus being wrong? Oh, I'm. I I'm below the Mendoza. Yeah. I yeah. Think, yeah. Yes, below two hundred. Okay, oh, so yeah. less than twenty percent of the time you've been right. Yes, that's that's out. That's a healthy, healthy perspective, Johnny. Oh, me? How many times have I been right? How many? Well, what's your percentage? What's percentage? Your, yeah, yeah, what's your percentage of being right? Jeff says under two hundred. We don't know how under two hundred it is, but wow, I do really well with uh, trivia, but uh, all other aspects of my life. Maybe not so good. So yeah. I'm going to say I'm going to say, yeah, I'd probably sit around there too, around the Mendoza line. Maybe yeah, a little me, bit under. Yeah, me too. Fifteen percent. Yeah. Fifteen, sixteen, seventeen on a good day. Percent. Yeah. All, right. All yeah, right. And look, look at us. <laughs> We're like everybody else, staying home without a gig. So eh, effort is overrated, Mark. I'll you tell you when, I, when, when I was at the lake this weekend, violating all uh, protocol. Um, everyone I came in contact with is working. They're all working. It's like the bubble that you and I are in, John, and others that we know, obviously, in our circle of friends, in our particular feudal kingdom, if you will. We're all unemployed, haven't had a had a haven't made a cent in six weeks. No, and and really no signs that we ever will again. Well, I mean, I think we we're certain we're not going to do it again. I mean, that's not even I don't think it's a doubt at this point, John. No. I think it's a certainty. No, we'll never work again in our chosen field. So I've <laughs> Very anyway, lots of other people are still working, believe it or not. Yeah, well, good for them. Good yeah, for them. Good for them. Good for them. Yeah, glad. way to go. <laughs> You're not happy for them, are you, Mark? No, I'm very, very ecstatic for them, of course. You, you walk in the grocery store, you just look at people like, you son of a bitch. The sure you're out here on the line dealing with the public day in and day out behind the glass. So you're just mask. traveling. So you're just wandering around the neighborhood, the Ferreira family sneeze fest and just again, no angry with people who are not yeah. just okay. not, a, not, not, not angry with the front line people at all. There I can see. I can see are the true headed. heroes, John. I can see where this is headed. All right. Let's move on to our next topic, which is uh, and this comes from I didn't get to watch the last uh, the with the last two episodes, I don't. It's always such a dangling modifier to the the, the, the two episodes they had that premiered last night in the Last Dance. But there, there were quotes about from Michael Jordan about how he still hates the the Bad Boys Pistons, and uh, Isaiah Thomas is uh, wishes that they had shaken hands in '91, and of course Bill Lane Beers like I don't regret that at all. But it brought up a good question in my mind, and that is about as a fan, is your fandom dependent not only on your love for a team but or players but also how much you hate someone else well d- how about you why don't you answer that question first yeah, does, does your love of the gators the calves the caps the redskins the orioles and the like depend on your hatred of you know the tennessee volunteers the new york think, yankees and the like 
I think it, I, I, I really do think that I was more fanatical about my team when I hated other teams more or hated other players more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I really think that that I think that's. And I don't know if that's something that is drummed into you from an early age. You know, you and I both talked about our introductions to sports. I grew up Washington, D.C. It's a football town. So the Redskins were really the first team that I was um, uh, cognizant of. And, of course, the Redskin-Cowboy rivalry, which has cooled off over the years. But this was the George Allen, Tom Landry era. It was one of the best rivalries in football at that point in time. And learning to hate the Cowboys, I think, really added to how much I loved the Redskins. Well, and it's interesting. It's sort of a symbiotic relationship, right? Because you learn. How do you learn to hate the Cowboys? You learn to hate the Cowboys when they beat your favorite team over and over again in spectacularly heartbreaking fashion. The Cowboys were my most hated team early on as well, because they beat the 49ers in spectacularly heartbreaking fashion and the Dodgers too. And and the Dodgers were, were drilled into me because it's Los Angeles. And that was, it was drilled into me that, that Southern California is just not, it's just not the same. They're not like us, Mark. And that's, you know, this poor young that still continues by the way, this poor, young, impressionable child believed it. Why would you not believe your parents when you're five, six, seven, eight, and nine? And, um, and so it's interesting, but well, as I've gotten reasons. older, John, you've, you, you have to appreciate, we've talked about this. I've, I always hated the Dodgers and I still hate the Dodgers. And a lot of the hatred comes from the fact that my friends are fans and I'm, I'm not rooting for their happiness. I'm really not. I'm oftentimes rooting for the, for them to be disappointed. Mm-hmm. However, in the big picture, you have to give the Dodgers franchise all kinds of credit for Jackie Robinson, for Vince Scully, and for that Kirk Gibson home run, which is one of the top five moments in all of World Series history. So I just think it's a product of getting older, and I also think it's a product of working at the club, to your point, where we get to interview a lot of these. I interviewed Leonard Marshall, who I couldn't stand, because mm-hmm. he essentially ruined Joe Montana's career with the San Francisco 49ers and ruined our chances of going to a 3 Super Bowl where we probably would have beaten the Buffalo Bills. Um, and then we interview him and he's, you know, he's just a dude. Right. Just a guy who was doing his job and he was trying to sack the quarterback. That's what you do if you're a defensive lineman. You know, it's not as if he's some evil monster right. out to crush my dreams specifically. And I always have to remember that these guys, you know, they don't know where they're going to go and play, essentially. Obviously, when they're free agents, they have choices to make. But, I mean, really, it comes down to who's offering you the gig and how much the money is. And certainly when you're drafted, unless you're Eli Manning, you don't get to really tell anybody where you get to go and play. Um, so I'm always wondering about guys who lifelong, you know, lifelong cowboy fan who gets drafted by the Redskins or, you know, during that period of time that we're talking about in the 90s, uh, you know, a lifelong Niner fan and ends up with the Cowboys or ends up with the Giants or anything. So I always have to kind of put into perspective that, you know, these guys, they didn't choose to be a Dallas Cowboy. That for the most part, that's just what they were. That's just where they ended up. It was the best opportunity for them and and the team that they wanted them. But that really, really, really hurt my fandom in many ways. I think it's that whole thing, Mark, where if you it's easy to hate a large group of people. Oh, yeah. Um, Corporately, we can corporate we can blame corporations a lot easier than we can ask for individual accountability. But that's, of course, our our political bent too. like a guy like Jeff. Is all about individual accountability mm-hmm. yes. over corporate responsibility. Although I think you're 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 coming around on on corporate responsibility as well. But but for the most part, Jeff, right? It's like just take care of yourself, you know. And well, I don't, don't blame society for your problems. Yes, course. but uh, you can't you can't take away the fact that uh, corporations are terrible. So I can't <laughs> I, I I won't I won't allow you to pigeon, pigeonhole me into one of those two things because corporations are terrible and they uh, they're almost worse than not taking personal responsibility. How about that? So so what's what's worse, the government or corporations? Oh, uh, corporations all the way. Wow. See, yeah. now that doesn't sound like a standard line. 
well, from someone I'm not a of, of, of your political persuasion. I'm not a standard guy. <laughs> I know you're not. That's true. I, I live yep. in the real. I live in the real world. I mean, you see exactly. it. These corporations, the stocks matter more than the people. I, that's, a, that's a good point. I just hijacked things. I'm sorry. Yeah, Jeff. you really did. You really did. I'm not <laughs> I, happy with it. I'm going to give you a serious. You're trying to push this off and to, so you could, you know, if you want a political roundtable talk show, and I know you and Jeff do, then please, by all means, do that. I'm just in. sitting here looking at the clock and it's just running. Two minutes later. Let me drill down deeper. I got gotcha. you. Welcome to my world when I'm driving oh too, brother. Oh, Believe my. Me. Oh, my God. Well, I'm just I'm surprised that uh, at this point in the show and we are uh, 35 minutes in that we're still not on the questions about my uh, my uh, my little picnic yesterday, because I didn't know where that was going. And given how you like to ask. So you need every piece of information. I can't think of anything that would have been worse for you than to have been a general manager and for an NFL team during any of this, because you'd be the one who had like. You'd have to visit with a guy for like 42 days in a row because you'd have so many questions to to figure them out. Perhaps, perhaps. I mean, there's there's just a plethora of jobs that I'd be horrible at, John Pelkey, and I'm sure I'm sure sure. that's one of them. I think you and I'd be horrible at any real job. Can you imagine? That is clear. That is absolutely clear. I I do want to say this though, is that even despite my supposed maturity and (laughs) aging out of my hatred. I will say I was literally giddy. And, Jeff, you may want to close your ears because you're still watching the uh, the division series. And this will be a spoiler alert for the Dodgers-Nationals division series, so you may want to take your earphones off. Done. But when that happened, when I found out, and this was we were on a cruise, John Pelkey. We were on a cruise ship, and... We were working a cruise. I just wanted to throw out there that Mark and I just didn't you know look at each other one day and go, Hey, Tahiti. Tahiti. I just, you know, not that there's anything the wrong with that. That's I just the line to we tell people. That's we're, the line we tell people. We are working. Right. Allegedly. So at any rate, I we'll never do that I again. saw that the Dodgers had beat, I mean, that the Nationals had beaten the Dodgers in five games in the division series. And I have to admit, and this just, just, just exposes my dark soul, is that I was giddy. I was giddy. I was probably happier or as happy as I would be if the Giants were to win a, a, a playoff game like that. Maybe not quite, but it's in the same realm, and I have to admit that. I have to well, admit that. Let me let me let me let me dig deeper with this too. Then is does it because it, this this is how I work. If a team if a team that I hate isn't good for a long period of time, it gets annoying hating them. That it's much better if they're good. Like I want right. Dallas to go fourteen and two and then lose in the divisional round. Right in, in in a just a a horrifying way, just right. just the the worst possible way. Um, I, I hear you, and I, I I get that. But boy, oh boy, the 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 cowboy talk, the cowboy talk is one of the most annoying parts of the football season, regardless of what right. their That's, record yeah, is. You're right. We you're talk right. about that, and I I'd like a season where they go four and twelve, right? And we but, literally don't talk about this pathetic franchise, right? But I just think of, you know, how how would it how how I would find it really, really hard if the team that I that I hated was the New York Jets. Yeah. You know, what's the point? I know. But Dolphin fans. Yeah, and, they do. And, well, and they're, they're another one. They're another one. You loyal, hate the Dolphins. What's the point? Two of our most loyal and ardent listeners, Jackie yeah. and Lisa, literally are more annoyed with the Jets than they are with the Patriots. I get that. It's get not it. the teams, though. It's the fans. It is. Um, yes. it's the fa- we've, we've heard that. It's the fans. A lot yeah. of that. Yes. A lot of that. That's a lot of that. But now let me ask you this question, Mark. Yes. See if you're as dark hearted as I am. I get more enjoyment out of the team I hate losing. This goes through the Spurrier era at Florida. Winning a game was great. But if Tennessee lost, and particularly if they were upset, I was happier than when Florida won. Now, part of that is just the expectation that the Gators would win was there. But I that's that's how much and I've softened on that a little bit. That's how much I hated Tennessee. It's like, okay, here's your here's your choice. Uh, The Gators lose to LSU, but Tennessee gets upset by Tennessee Martin or East Carolina. I'd go with the upset of Tennessee. That would make me feel better. That's what a pathetic and small person I am. I will say this, as we uh, probably have to transition out of that, but yes, I, I, I was there for a lot of that with you, and I, 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 can, uh, I can back that up, 
and I can corroborate all of that testimony, ladies and gentlemen. But Jeff, you, you sent me someone, what, Rafael Palmero? Is that who you sent me there, Johnny? Uh, yes, that was it. And then I, and I'm sorry, it was spelled by uh, phone. I, I sent that before I wanted to. I think that's wrong. It is wrong. But Jeff's guess is right. Jeff. Wow. I was, Come on, dude. I, you know what's funny is after you give it away, I'll tell you who the guy I wasn't sure about was. And yeah. I almost sent that one. Then I was like, wait a minute. There's somebody else. I was I just thinking low home run impressed. good guys. I am highly impressed. All right. Well, that's that's pretty good. Jeff got it before the final four hints. So I know it. let's help everybody else out. I know who it is, too, because I'm on the uh, the tech chain. Well, well done, Jeff. But give us the rest of the clues. Let me let me see if I can if, if I think I would have gotten it. All right, Hall of Fame baseball player, played for 22 years with five different teams, finished with less than 400 home runs, six-time All-Star, two top 10 MVP finishes, led the league in slugging percentage one time, the only time he ever led the league in any category. He's a Hall of Famer, so I'm kind of rolling my eyes at this point. Did, a- did average 93 RBIs per season over the course of 22 years. He had about 1,600 RBIs plus, so that's obviously very good. Finished within 200 hits of 3,000, which is also very good. Played with... Mark McGuire, Carney Lansford, Willie Randolph, Carlton Fisk, Greg Luzinski, and the aforementioned Rafael Palmero. Ah. Co- career 289 hitter, five postseason home runs, which is certainly nothing to sneeze at. Got to the 1990 World Series and lost, so you know who he played with. Some would call him the ultimate compiler. I think I'd be one of those people, John Pelkey. But he did hit over 310 with 100 RBIs at age 40 when playing with two teams, the Orioles. And the Indians. That was at age 40. He had hit 310, hit over 100 RBIs. Uh, but I would still call him a compiler. He's obviously a very good player. But right. to me, a Hall of Famer He's is had a great someone who career. dominates in their era. Right. And if you just get to six All-Star games in 22 years, that doesn't feel like domination to me. Yeah, he's a, he, he had a great career. No one would argue with that. 22 years and the the statistics you gave. But there's a difference between having a great career and being a Hall of Famer. That's like the the argument that I'll use another cliche. I'm sure you hate, Mark. Uh, It's the Hall of it's the Hall of Fame, not the Hall of very good. But it's also not the Hall of great careers, because there are a lot of guys who had great careers that I would agree with you are not Hall of Famers. So that brings us, as people think about that, and we'll give them the answer in a bit, that brings us to our poll question this week, which was most overrated player. Which is what I think our progressive trivia guy is somewhat overrated. All right. Very, very nice. Famer. Okay. Well, well, we'll talk about that in a minute. Do we want to go to our Do we want to go to our uh, our listeners first before we discuss this? Let's go to our listeners first before we discuss our uh, who our overrated player is. And the only reason I'm doing this, I'm going to full disclosure, I still haven't settled on one yet. Hey, Mark and John, it's Dave. When I first heard your poll question, the first name that popped in my mind was Vinny Testaverde. Uh, I went to college in St. Pete in 87, and I had such high hopes for him and the creamsicle yucks. And uh, after hearing your podcast about drafts and Heisman winners going to the shittiest teams, I was like, well, maybe I was too harsh on him. Uh, But also, I want to let you know I had a poll question idea. Uh, and that would be the most myopic umpire or referee because I have a great answer for it. All right. Keep up the good work. Love the show. Hey, John, Jeff, and Mark. This is Mario here. In regards to the most overrated player, in my opinion, it is Derek Jeter. I could go on about a, a long list of why i choose him, but then I'll hijack your show, and I don't want to do that. Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. Hey, guys. Lenny. My answer to today's topic would be Joe Willie Namath. His overall record was 77 wins, 108 losses. He completed 50% of his passes, 170 touchdowns to 220 interceptions, only a 65.5 QB rating, 2-1 in playoff games. This guy was good, not great. Don't understand, other than the Super Bowl three victory, why he's in the Hall of Fame. Choice number two is going to be Cal Ripken. John, I'll let that one up to you. You guys stay safe and have a great day. Hey, guys, I think one of the most overrated athletes of all time has to be Tony Romo. He was a mediocre quarterback at best who was treated like a franchise quarterback his entire career with the Cowboys. During his tenure with the team, never went to a Super Bowl, never even went to the NFC Championship. If he'd played under a different owner, I really believe he would have spent the last five or six years of his career as a backup. Some people think that his career deserves the Hall of Fame. 
those people are crazy. Mainly because they're Cowboy fans. I will be nice to Tony, as I do think he is a solid commentator and has made one of the best player-to-commentator transitions we've seen in a long time. But in the end, all that matters in the NFL is winning and winning championships. Tony's playing career was a failure for both himself and the Cowboys. He spent way too long accomplishing nothing on a team that had, at times, limitless potential and incredible talent. No championships, no banner, no Hall of Fame, no nothing. Tony Romo, completely overrated. Hi, you guys. This is Amy again. I know the question is who's the most overrated, but I kind of wanted to talk about comparing the greatest of all time Um, and who is the greatest of all time. You had some conversation about that. I don't know, might have been a few episodes ago. And I think that conversation, I mean, I don't want to be offensive, but I think it can be kind of dumb in a way. You know, I mean, if you want to compare athletes on metrics, that's fine. But it's really who people enjoy watching is what I think. And maybe that's, I don't know, this is going to sound sexist, but maybe that's the female in me. Or I, I just, I don't know. I think a lot of people, male or female, actually, like watching the Michael Jordan doc, Reminds me of how unbelievable that guy was. Like, but comparing him to LeBron is so dumb because they play completely differently, you know? And I just, there's a lot of comparison, compares, comparisons between the two, I think. Um, or, you know, right now, cause the doc is now, but, um, it's like comparing artists, you know, it's like watching a ballet or dancing with the stars. Which one do you like watching better or listening to the stones or the Beatles and on and on? I mean, I just think it's just super subjective and it's, and it's watching just brilliance. Both are brilliant. None is greater than the other, you know, um, when you're just sort of thinking about, you know, watching what you like to watch. That's my take. All right. Thanks. Bye. Well, I told my sister, that was my sister for full disclosure, that uh, I said, listen, we're probably not going to get to that today, and it's way too long. That's <laughs> we it anyway. We did, get, we did get to it. That's my bad, and it is, uh, I, I, I don't think it's long at all. I think your sister is a wonderfully uh, concise. Uh, and I think, right and I think uh, just to, to, to defend you, ourselves, just to defend ourselves and not go immediately where I want to go, which is, we'll get your own podcast. You got a problem with our questions. No, I, I think we've said that before. When you start comparing greatest, and there is a part of, of, of that where I really do agree with her, where it's, you're always, you're going to gravitate towards somebody that you like. Yeah. Like, I would never admit that Peyton Manning is the greatest quarterback. Or even, I don't think he's in the top 30 quarterbacks of the 2000s. Uh, but I... I you know, maybe that's just me. Uh, wow, that's, I think, that seems I, like a stretch. I, I think it is a little bit. We've always said too that the the Jordan versus uh, LeBron one is silly. But let's let's get back to the ones that we got. How about Dane? How about him? Man, Dane, it. I Tony mean, Robo. How do you how do you really feel, Dane? Well, he may have chosen the best candidate. Well, that, I think, but I, I think, think that's probably true. I think certainly there's some of that is true. And I think this goes to Mark, the, the point that you were making where the Cowboys, you know, if the if at the end of the season, the Tennessee Titans get to the AFC championship game and the Cowboys don't get to the playoffs, who are we going to talk more about the day after the season's over? The Cowboys right. every time. So I think that's some of it with Romo. I, I will say just to defend Tony Romo a bit, I think also he fell a, a little bit under the Jameis Winston situation was with the inferior coaching and the coaching changes that he was there for. I, I think that set him back a little, but I would argue that uh, that's not bad because I think Tony Romo was a good quarterback to very good at times. And I think there were a lot of teams that wouldn't mind it having him, but to talk about Tony Romo in, in, in my mind, anything approaching the hall of fame is ridiculous. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I mean, we talk about Philip rivers, not getting into the hall of fame or being at least on the bubble. And he doesn't even approach Philip rivers. At least Philip rivers got to a championship game for crying out loud, like it or not, you're judged on how sure. you win. And especially in the postseason. And when you miss an extra point because you, you, you drop the hold, I mean, yeah. that goes a long way to, to defining your legacy. And I think they only won one playoff game under his regime, Tony Romo's regime. And, and yeah, it could be exciting. And, yeah, there could be great plays. But he wasn't – I would say he's overrated. I would agree wholeheartedly with Dane on that one. 
Yeah, and it's funny because it leads into there. The other thing about the championships, Marks, is sometimes you can be overvalued, and I think uh, I don't think Lenny was wrong with Joe Namath. Now Namath was like a cultural icon. There are a lot of reasons that Joe Namath, um, and what he did for the game as well. What I he think. did for the game. I also think um, he broke down physically pretty quickly um, because of the injuries that he had at Alabama, and then uh, continuing into the NFL career. So I think that held him back. A little bit. He was also one of the first risk reward guys. I mean, he was, a, you know, would throw more interceptions than touchdowns. So I think um, that Joe Namath, to argue Joe Namath is a uh, Hall of Famer on the merits of him, his statistics would be ridiculous. But I think because of the game that he won, Super Bowl three, which really changed the NFL um, uh, and the guarantee and a lot of other things, uh, the cultural icon that he is he has become. Uh, and was at the time, frankly, uh, I think that really helped him out a lot. What about Vinny Testaverde? Well, I'm not sure he's rated. I'm not sure he's <laughs> rated high. I've heard people, I've heard people say, well, look at his st- you know, the statistic, folks. Look at his statistics, because if you do look at yards, completions, and all of those things, he there are guys in the Hall of Fame who have nowhere near that. Now, some of that's era-related. Uh, but I think uh, I, I think really the expectations for Vinny Testaverde, and we saw this with most of those Miami quarterbacks, the expectations are the things that make him look overrated. Well, and I also think that, again, a Heisman Trophy winner picked number one. He had a pretty bad career overall. Yes, he played with Tampa Bay, and he, he did a little bit better when he was with the Jets and some other teams as well, but... It would have been it would have been nice to see him not have that knee injury that he had in '99 because coming off that '98 season when that Jets team looked like they were moving in the right direction, he played very well. He got to an AFC Championship game, and then he injured his he uh, injured himself, I believe, in the first game of the '99 season. And I know this because it was the first year that I played fantasy football, and he was my first pick. So that might have soured me on fantasy sports. Uh, yes, exactly. But I, I don't think he really even comes close. And and yes, he had over forty thousand yards. In terms of statistics, but thankfully, because of the inflated era we are in right now, forty thousand doesn't seem like much. And now he's fa- now he's not really. I don't even think top ten in overall yards of all time. And so now, and now also, he shouldn't even come up. And also, those were some really, really bad Tampa Bay Buccaneer fans. They were take him out of that team. Put anybody on that team. They were really bad. Well, Talk Steve, about Steve Young preceded him on that team and and was horrible and had horrible seasons. And we and we see that Steve Young goes to another organization and becomes a Hall of Famer. So who knows about Vinny Testaverde? But I don't think he's rated in any way that it could be considered overrated at all. I no. I do think I do think Namath to your point. Uh, you can't really look at the statistics, but if you're going to talk about most overrated quarterback. Then I think that's fair. If you're gonna if you're gonna say he's in the Hall of Fame because of his cultural icon, what he did with Super Bowl three, how he changed the game between the AFC, well between the AFL and the NFL, all those things are hugely legitimate, and all those things I, I believe he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. But in terms of a quarterback, he is. When people say he was a great quarterback, ah, yeah. He yeah, had a he great, had arm, great moments, and he was splashy at times. But he that was about it. Moments. The yeah. other people that uh, came up non-voice memo: Bryce Harper, Cam Newton, and Cam Newton certainly looking like perhaps o- uh, overrated, uh, still out there, and still think Pittsburgh be the best place for him to go. Uh, Peyton Manning, I I would certainly agree with that. All evidence to the contrary. I will stick with the fact that he was not in the top thirty-five quarterbacks of the two thousands. You just said thirty about ten minutes ago. Uh, yeah, I I, I re uh, I rethought it, and uh, a couple of guys popped up there that I thought weren't getting enough. Uh, Gino Toretta and a few guys who weren't really getting enough credit. Let, for, let, uh, let me jump on the grenade here. Uh, we did have a Cam Newton voice memo. That's the one I accidentally didn't play, and I'd like to apologize for that. Oh, nope, no problem. But I, 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 I think that's a pretty good one. And Yasiel Puig and Johnny Manziel. And again, Manziel, I think, suffers due to the expectations. I don't think you could say he was overrated as a college quarterback at all. No, not at all. But Manziel certainly not rated at all as a pro. But as as a college guy, I don't think I think his Heisman Trophy was well deserved. I don't well, think he yeah. was overrated whilst in college at all. He did. He was remarkable in terms of what he was able to accomplish with A uh, and M. But we also and, had Mar- we also had Mario talk about Jeter, John. And I know you have specific, very very strong feelings about Derek Jeter. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't think Derek Jeter was the third best shortstop on those Yankee teams that won championships. I think uh, I, I'm not sure what happened there and how he ended up starting. I'm if relatively you, certain that he had photographs I, of somebody in compromising uh, no, positions. No, I, I do know this because I've heard that story about him in the, the locker room when everybody was uh, when there was a pitcher, a very uh, veteran pitcher in the locker room and uh, he was complaining about something or, or doing something in the locker room Jeter didn't like and Jeter got in his face as a rookie and that's when they t- he took over as the leader of that team. So yeah, as a leader. I, I, well, I and the second he took over as the leader of that team, they went on to win four World Series in five years. So yeah, I, I, I know it's it, he, it's it, hard. I have pretty, nothing to back it up. I just I hate he, the Yankees. He hits well as, as well. He, he hit pretty well too. And and I and interviewed him, and he's also a really terrific guy to interview, and couldn't have been any better, and blah 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 and all of that. But I don't care. All right, um, still still formulated in my, in my mind. I think I know who I'm going to go with because there are a number of guys, and I don't want to take one somebody else said because I think Namath really, as far as the the statistic things to back it up, Romo and Namath are probably the two that you can really look at uh, globally and say, mm, okay, th- those are really good. But Mark, who is yours? You know, it could be a variety of people, a variety of players in all kinds of different sports. And I went back and forth. But I will say in the end that I do think it's Clayton Kershaw, as much as I've softened on the guy over the over the years. And uh, this is another spoiler alert, uh, Jeff, for you, is when he was interviewed after game five, uh, when they lost that game to lose that series, he literally said to the press, maybe it's true what everyone says about me. And it was just sad to me, and I felt bad for the guy. But if you look at the statistics, his postseason career is ridiculously different from his regular season career. Yes, he he is even more stark than Peyton Manning was in terms of the difference between regular season and postseason. And you just can't get away from that. And to me, if you're going to have a Sandy Koufax esque career, which he definitely has so far in Los Angeles. He's got multiple Cy Young Awards, multiple ERA crowns. He has been a dominant Sandy Koufax-esque pitcher in the regular season and is worse than mediocre in the postseason. And I'm sorry, you've got to do both. Yes, championships don't matter as much in baseball. Uh, Certainly as a hitter, Willie Mays, Ted Williams, those are good examples. But as a pitcher, you can't have four, five ERA in the postseason. You can't give up winning home runs, home runs that put the other team back in the game like he did in the 2017 World Series. I believe it was game five. You can't do that and 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 be expected to be in the same realm as as Sandy Koufax. And if you put him in that realm, he is definitely overrated. Sorry, that took too long. Mine's Curly Neal. Never faced any competition. <laughs> R.I.P., by the I way. I bet dude. on the Washington Generals. I thought they would do. <laughs> he waited for him, he waited for him to pass away to to, to call him out. <laughs> I didn't want him to hear it. Really? You wouldn't say it to his face. No, huh? no, no, Doug no, Curley no, no. to his face. Large. Oh man. my goodness, that was very funny. That's that's good. All right. Well, mine and and it took me a while to land because, like I said, I think the Namath when there's a good argument to be made, and I I, I think the Romo. I Mark, and Mark, you make a really compelling uh, argument for Clayton Kershaw, and and I certainly think that guys who are considered uh, great have to have postseason success or at least be equal to that success um, in a situation with like a Ted Williams who really only got to one. That's that's right. different. Dan Marino only gets to one. I mean, I think if you've had multiple opportunities and uh, that's why I, I decided to go with a with a guy who's um, still active and that's Philip Rivers. I think yeah. Philip Rivers is a compiler because if you look at him, he only led the league in passing yards once touchdowns once passer rating, which none of us understand, uh, completion percentage only once. Uh, people will say eight-time Pro Bowl. Well, I, I don't think there's any more specious argument about anybody than than Pro Bowl and All-Star games because so many people don't go. There were so many things that come into play with those things as far as guys who might be injured. And so I, I would say um, uh, that I think Philip Rivers, because he's – you said it yourself, Mark. He's in the discussion for the Hall of Fame. I don't see how – Philip Rivers is a Hall of Famer if Jim Plunkett isn't. Yeah. No, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I think if, if he gets into the Hall of Fame, Philip Rivers, then that will be massively overrated. Very so we'll, see, we'll see how it lands at this point in time, but I do not think he's a Hall of Famer. 
All right. Very good quarterback. Good discussion. We might have to come back to this one at some point in time, but we want to get the answer to our progressive trivia because he is, in Mark's mind, a guy who's in this discussion. I think so, to some degree. Okay, he's a Hall of Famer, and that's why, to me, he's overrated because I don't think he's quite a Hall of Famer. Played for 22 years, five different teams, finished with less than 400 home runs, six-time All-Star in 22 years, two top 10 MVP finishes in 22 years, and they were like nine and ten. Led the league in slugging percentage one time, the only time he ever led the league in any category. Another reason why you should lead, lead the league in a few categories throughout a 22-year career if you're in the Hall of Fame, in my opinion. However, he did average 93 RBIs per season. He was a good RBI guy. We've talked about that, how that statistic could be an overrated statistic, actually. Finished within 200 hits of 3,000, which is obviously very good and a testimony to his uh, longevity as well. He played with all kinds of guys. McGuire, Lansford, Willie Randolph, Carlton Fisk, Greg Luzinski, Rafael Palmero. Career 289 hitter, very solid. Five postseason home runs. Didn't get there that often. He played well in the postseason. Got to the 90 World Series with the A's and lost. And some would call him a compiler, which I would. But when he was 40, he hit 310 with 100 RBIs when playing with the Orioles and the Indians. And he is Harold Baines. Harold Baines. So, Jeff, how did you get him so early? I was was just trying to think of guys who played a long time that wouldn't have hit a lot of home runs. And my other guess was going to be Jim Tomey. But I wasn't sure that he played that long. Well, he hit over 600 home runs. He was a oh, major power guy. Oh, yeah. I, don't, I, I thought he had a lower home run numbers. No, it's interesting because Harold Baines never hit my radar, John Pelkey, really. Yeah. He was always like, he just never hit it. He was never a guy you'd talk about in terms of a league leader in well, again, any in Great career. Had some really terrific seasons, I think. Uh, and to play for 22 years, I mean, you you can't yeah. undervalue that for anybody. That you, you They would pay you for 22 years to play Major League Baseball. You're a very, very good player who had a great career. But I think the distinction is great career does not equal Hall of Fame. And he so may have been. Would you agree? Would you agree? Yes. He may have also been on my radar because of the fact that he was playing during my impressionable baseball years when I was really paying attention. Right, right. And he played with the Orioles for a while, so that may have, I don't know, piqued yeah, your like interest to, at some point in time. I should have gotten that's a good one. 22 years, and, and, and with, with BaseballReference.com, which is, is truly the best website in the world still yeah. to this day, uh, they give a 162-game average. So he obviously didn't play 162 games every year, but on average, if he, if he were to play 162 games and you average that out, he did have 93. He did average 93 RBI. So he was a good RBI guy. Yeah, yeah, good RBI guy. And, Those matter. And, and great, great career. Very good player. Great career. But uh, once again, Mark, you know who's let us down on this? Baseball writers. Oh, I'm because we would think of Harold. You know what Harold Baines would be if he wasn't in the Hall of Fame? He'd be the guy we're going. Yeah, no, Harold Baines had a hell of a career. Maybe you ought to consider him. So, you know, poor Harold Baines. The only thing he did wrong was to have a a great career. Yeah. But because because a bunch of the uh, well, let's just face it, the lowest form of life on Earth, baseball writers. um, We now we now think he's overrated and we're we shan't speak his name again on this show. (laughs) No, I don't think he should come up at all. And it is. We're very happy about the baseball writers, though, John, because it makes us look like we're fairly decent human beings. Right. So Absolutely. thank goodness for the baseball right. And here's your safety tip, folks. When we get out of this whole social distancing thing, if you find yourself at a buffet with a baseball writer, keep your hands in your pockets because they'll take your arm trying to get to. If there's a carb steamship round of beef, I've seen a baseball writer beat a guy to death with a shoe to get to a, to a well, that may not have actually happened, but he tried. Of ham. he tried. He tried just, just to get to a carved ham. Oh, my God, guy pulled a shiv on you to get to a baseball writer? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Good Lord. God, man, prove me wrong. All right. Uh, let's let's move on to our poll question for the next show before we wrap up here. All right. Our poll question for the next show because, Mark, you you gave into my dark. I, I did. My darkest proclivities by saying most underrated, uh, overrated player. Yeah. So we're going to flip that around. Who's the most well, underrated and, player? And it is interesting, John, because I was thinking when I was thinking about overrated, I was thinking it was easier to think of underrated. It was easier for me to come up with underrated players as opposed to overrated players. And I think underrated leads to a, you know, a nicer, fuller, more empathetic discussion. All right. Well, that that's apparently what you want. 
We'll see well, how you know what? I, I, I kowtowed to what I thought you wanted last time, so we'll see what happens this time. Because, you know, so far, John, you know, my poll questions have really landed with a thud. I mean, they are the opposite of intriguing and popular for our listeners. Hey, listen, we have to come up with these every 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 day. There's, there's going to be a few. I told you that there's a pretty good chance on Friday the poll question is going to be, what are your favorite poll questions that we've uh, that we've thrown out there during this show? So that's I it. Think, I think that's a good one. And how about most overrated poll question or most underrated poll question? Most over most overrated member of this broadcast team. I think that's well, that's coming down the pike. I think. That's I mean, I think we know. I think we know who who's at the top of the list of people. But then it's between you and I for who's most overrated. Uh, so we'll we'll see what happens. If you want to answer that again, as always, uh, podcastafr at gmail.com is our email address. You can either leave a written email there or even better, why not leave a voicemail? We'll, we'll get it on the show. We'll even get it on the show when we weren't going to put it on the show, apparently, uh, for you. You can also uh, go to our Facebook pages or the Facebook page for after further review. Any Any closing comments from either of you guys? All I want to say is I apologize for being too verbose this episode, and that's why we ran long. And I apologize to Curly Neal. <laughs> and his family. But, you, but you're right. What's the competition? Curly, Curly's, Curly's the Division Three uh, football prospect who he threw for 7,000 yards. <laughs> but, you know, who'd he play? Lenore Ryan four times a year. And, uh, and apologies to anybody. Might have Joe's been College by the Sea. Uh, there it is. For nuns. All right. <laughs> Wow, there's a college by the sea for nuns, which oh, which yeah. really seems like a waste of the which, seashore. Which has a football for nuns. It just doesn't. Again, you would have thought they would have been able to find real estate that yeah. was cheaper elsewhere. So what's the overhead on nun college? It, uh, again, you know, these are the issues that we need to get to the bottom of. And if they don't start playing live sports soon, this is exactly what we're going to be talking about. We're not going to talk about anything more at this point in time. Jeff Taylor and Mark Ferreira. I am John Pelkey. This has been After Further Review. Take care, everybody.